Since the disclosure of your spouse's sexual betrayal, have you been made to feel like you're worthless? Hi, I'm Kim Pullen, founder of Hope for Spouses, and welcome to this episode of Lunchtime Live. For those of you who are new to our ministry, I started Hope for Spouses shortly after my husband and I were reconciled after a four-year separation due to his adultery. And during that time that we were apart, I tried to work really hard on focusing on my own issues and my own uh, dysfunctional relationship with God. And try to get out of the way and let God work on my husband. And he did. He worked on both of us at the same time. And we were reconciled about five years ago. And we have an incredible marriage now. And it only keeps getting better. And we really give God the credit because we put him at the center of our relationship instead of putting each other at the center of it. And that really plays into the topic that we're talking about today because we're talking about value. And too much, too often, what ends up happening is we place more value on our marriage, giving us our value and our worth rather than where it really should be coming from. So how and where does the world and sometimes the church tell us to get our value? Well, the world, if you look at any kind of media for any length of time tells us that we find our worth and our value in ourselves, in our beauty, in our sexual prowess, in our independence. Like that, that's where the world really communicates your authenticity. That's where your real value is in speaking and feeling confident about yourself, that that's where you really find your value and your worth. And the church can often tell us to find our worth and our value in marriage or in children. And there's there's nothing wrong with marriage or children. Those are beautiful and amazing gifts, but they aren't the place that we were designed to find our worth and our value. So this idea that, that has been nurtured in the church for millennia comes from what's called a patriarchal mindset. And, and it exi- has existed in many, many cultures, and it still exists in many cultures in the world today. Now, Sarah listened to her culture, if we go back into the Old Testament, listened to her culture more than she listened to God. So in Genesis 16, 2 through 3, it says, So she said to Abram, that was, her name was actually Sarai at this point, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai, uh, his wife, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. So here we have a great example that Sarah didn't trust God's promise. God had made a promise to Abram that he was going to do all these amazing things through him, and that eventually Abram was going to have a son through which all these other children were going to come. And it was going to be through Sarah. But Sarah didn't believe God. Now, I'm I'm not Sarah. I'm not 90. <laughs> Questioning when is God going to give me children? So, you know, we can't be too hard on Sarah. She had to wait a long time to see this fulfilled. And the culture around her 
was very, very strong, very patriarchal, that the man was the you know head of the family, which is as it should be. He was the leader, but that a woman's whole value was in the, her marriage and the children that she bore to her husband. That's where her whole value came from. And so Sarah, in order to feel like she had value, she had to decide that she was going to create her own value she, by, by creating her own family. And so she actually gave her husband to another woman, an Egyptian who worshipped idols, who didn't even know and acknowledge God. And I know in 1 Peter 3, it says that, that we're supposed to be beautiful like Sarah who didn't give way to fear, but in in this in this particular situation, I think she did. So there were other situations where she was faithful to God, and she did trust God. But this one time, she was not. She chose to be uh, to assume the leadership of her own life and say, "You go ahead and sleep with Hagar. I'm going to have a family through her." And that did not work out very well for her. If you go ahead and continue to read through Genesis following that situation, it was not a good thing between her and Hagar. It, it was, Hagar became very dismissive of her mistress. It was bad. So Sarai walked into this situation because she chose to find her value in the world rather than in God. So in patriarchism, and women getting their value from marriage and bearing children, this was never part of God's original plan. There are a lot of people who will talk of it from that perspective, and they will take a scripture like Genesis 3.16 and say, well, that's where God cursed women and basically said, this is where your value, this is where your identity is going to come from. And that passage just says to the, to the woman, this is after uh, she had sin, her and Adam had sin, and they had done what God had not told them to do. And it says to the woman, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. So he had already cursed the serpent. And then after Eve, he actually, he didn't curse Adam, but he did curse the ground that Adam was going to have to work. But it's interesting, though, in the passage that he doesn't curse the woman. Like the things that he says here were not a curse. Instead, what God was trying to reveal to Eve and to us is that because we often pursue a plan other than God's to give us value, like Eve did, that God saw, because he's not bound by time and space like we are, God saw that our inevitable path, if we keep going in that direction, is that we will have a desire to get our value, to get our worth from our spouse. So this passage is not prescriptive. Uh, she is not cursed like the serpent of the ground, but it's descriptive. And it's basically the inevitable path that we will continue to look for, to other things for our value and our worth. We're going to look to our husband, to our marriage, to our children, to service, to our usefulness rather than to God for our value and worth. Eve was looking outside of God. She wanted something that God 
Satan said had, had hidden from her. But God was trying to tell her that you are worth more to me just the way you are because I created you that way. So trusting or seeking our value in created things always, 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 always sets us up for an inevitable fall and for disappointment because they can't meet the needs that only God was intended to meet. So when my husband and I, just prior to our separation, I could tell things were not really going really well. And so we, I kind of made a deal with him that if he would connect with a lot of the brothers in the church and be open with them and pursue spiritual relationships with them, I would do whatever he wanted me to do to help heal our marriage. And so he, he was all these worldly things he wanted me to change. The way I dressed, wear more makeup, put nails on, uh, just a bunch of different, very external things. So I did. I changed them. And I very different in the way that I came across physically. And guess what? Nothing changed. <laughs> and that's when I really realized I was putting my value and my identity in my husband. And I was expecting him to tell me that I was a great wife. I expecting him to tell me that I was worthy. And when he didn't change, when I changed all those external things, that's when something began to click inside. This is not the right way to go. So what does it look like in a marriage when one or both partners in, in, in a betrayed marriage specifically have brought this lie about their value into the relationship? All right. So what ends up happening is uh, the betrayed partner is often treated by her addicted or unfaithful partner as the main problem, the main reason for them to stray. They're basically told that it's their fault. The spouse, I'll use myself as an example, it was my fault because I wasn't doing these things. That's why he was doing the things that he was doing. He was basically laying the blame for his sin at my feet. So since, for, my, for example, myself, I was looking for my value from my husband and yet he was telling me that I was not living up to this responsibility that I was supposed to be, then it was my fault that the marriage was in the condition that was in. And, and I had to fix it. So I had to do all these things to fix it. And if I didn't, it really established my inept value as a wife. Now, another person, you know, like a, a minister or our parents or anybody, we, they can't give us value either. But sometimes we go to them and they tell us, well, you need to be this kind of a wife or you need to be that kind of a wife or a mother. And that's what will determine how good a wife you are. But we can't look to anybody else to give us that worth or value. In fact, it's unfair of us to even look to our spouse or for our spouse to look to us to get their value and worth, to tell them for our spouse to hear if you're uh, a woman here, for our spouse as a man to look to us to give them value as a man. They have to go to God first. We are a companion. We are a helper. We can encourage them, but ultimately we can't be God to them and they can't be God to us. Now, another person can't complete us. 
not a not a parent, not a child, not a spouse, and and certainly not something like a marriage or a job, a, a performance, a bank account, a leadership role, a home, a car, a promotion, or even a reputation. Only God can complete us. Only God can give us the value that we so desperately long for. So how do we get our value from God? Well, God created us for a relationship with him first, all the way back in Genesis 2. And then he further confirmed this relationship by establishing several covenants. Now, the first covenant is in, uh, we find it in Genesis 12, 15, and then chapter 22, verse 18, with Abraham, when he promised to make his descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and the whole world would eventually be blessed through him. And then in Exodus 19 and 24, with Moses and the nation of Israel on Mount Sinai, after they were led out of slavery in Egypt. And then the next one was in 2 Samuel 2, 7, when he promised David, King David, that he would always have a descendant to reign on the throne. And essentially he was talking about Jesus, that Jesus was a descendant of David and he would reign on the throne. And then in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 34, it's talking about the new covenant that Jesus himself would later establish for all of us in Luke 22, 20, where Jesus brings that up. Now, all along the way, throughout all of these different covenants, God was basically preparing to heal the rift that we had caused by seeking our own way, our own value in the world through ourselves, through other people, rather than getting it from God. And it says this in Romans 8.32, that he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? So God demonstrated just how incredibly valuable we are as an individuals and collectively as, as the church, that we are, we are worth so much, we are so valuable that we were worth the blood of a God, of the death of God himself. That is how valuable we are. So if we are looking to anything or anyone else, including ourselves, to give us our value or our worth, the Bible calls that idolatry. And if you look throughout all the prophets in the Old Testament, you see how much God really hated idolatry because it led people away from God. It led them in a completely different direction. And so we can't look to other people. We can't look to things. God gives us those things. He gives us marriage. He gives us children and jobs and families to fulfill us, to fill us in, to fill in the gaps in our life. But ultimately, they're not meant to be worshipped. It's, it's like worshiping or, or being grateful for the gift at Christmas time instead of thanking the giver because God is the giver of all those things. And when we choose to get our value from God, the amazing thing is that it frees us from the need to prove our worth to ourselves and to other people. I'm going to say that again because I think it's really important. When we choose to get our value from God. It frees us 
from the need to prove our worth to ourselves and to others. And further, it also clarifies our purpose. And that is that we are to point others, including our spouse, to get their value and worth from God and not from this world. So we are worth more than this world. What anybody in this world tells us or even what we tell ourselves we are worth. And we need to spend our time examining who we have been listening to and who have we believed. Where do we go to be told where our value is? Are we going to the world? Are we going to social media? Are we going to entertainment? Are we just listening exclusively to our church leaders? Or are we going back to the scriptures to study those things out for ourselves, to understand who we really are before God? There's a story I want to share just to close out. I want you to imagine a king of a country, and he has a beautiful daughter. And one day a man comes and asks for the hand of this daughter in marriage, and the king grants it. And they marry, but the man doesn't treat the princess as she should be treated, as a daughter of the king. And instead, he abuses her and discards her and treats her like she is not a daughter of the king. Now, the princess can accept what she hears from her spouse, or she can remember who she was before she got married, who she has always been, and that is a daughter of the king. And no matter what happens in her marriage, that original identity will never change. She will always be a daughter of the king. She just has to remember that. So if you are sick of others telling you your worth, of maybe even listening to the tapes in your own head, of listening to the media, of parents or leaders or your spouse telling you that you are not worth anything or you are valueless in this world and you are ready to learn about how you can embrace and reclaim your real value as a daughter of the king of the universe and I want you to go ahead and schedule a call with me go to hopeforspouses.com call again that's hopeforspouses.com call We'll get on the phone for about 45 minutes or an hour and we'll talk about this. We'll talk about what's going on in your marriage. I'll give you an opportunity to share your story for you to be heard. And then we'll funnel all that through the scriptures and we'll really help you to, to get back into God's word, to find your value and to help you to start moving forward in your recovery. Okay. Well, that's it today. That concludes our episode of the Hope for Spouses Lunchtime Live. I'm Kim Pullen. Hopefully we'll see you next time. Take care.